Mike Heff. Today we are talking about the history of the Saints quarterback position. Very troublesome for most of the early parts of the franchise, but Drew Brees kind of solidified it after a while. But, you know, we're not going to talk a whole lot about, you know, everybody knows Archie Manning, Drew Brees, Bobby Bear, but who are the other guys that, you know, tried to be Saints quarterbacks, maybe be a solution, and some of them weren't as bad, maybe, as we thought, and some were, were not good at all, so... That's kind of what, what what we're looking at. So let's go back to the beginning of the franchise, 1967. The very first quarterback, starting quarterback in Saints history is Billy Kilmer. Uh, Kilmer was drafted 11th overall out of UCLA by the 49ers in 1961. So the first quarterback in Saints history began his... Let's just bypass that fact and move on. Well, they, they weren't the cheaters yet, though. No, they weren't. They weren't <laughs> the cheaters yet. That's fair. <laughs> so from 61 to 66, he plays for the 49ers. He had minimal success at quarterback. He played a lot of running back for the 49ers. He's probably best known in his time with the 49ers as being part of one of the most infamous plays in NFL history. You know which play it is? What happened? He, in 1964, the 49ers are playing the Vikings, and Kilmer catches a pass and fumbles. The fumble was picked up by Jim Marshall, and he ran the wrong way into the end zone for a safety. We've seen that play a hundred times. Yes, absolutely. Now, Kilmer was also the third leading rusher on the Saints the first year with like yeah. 147 yards. So, I mean, he was he didn't look like a great athlete. I mean, my memory of him is a sh- kind of like a square, short, squatty guy. Right. But apparently, he had to be a pretty good athlete because he ran the ball pretty pretty well. So, in '67, the Saints take Kilmer in this 1967 expansion draft. And he was not supposed to be the starter. He was actually the third best quarterback on the roster. But he wins the starting job. And on September 17th, 1967, Billy Kilmer becomes the first quarterback in Saints history. You know, but both guys played that year. Yeah. Quite a bit. That was before my time. I was born in 66, the year that the Saints were awarded the franchise. So I didn't, you know, I don't ever, I don't have zero memory in, in... you know, of seeing Billy Kilmer or Gary Quazzo play, but I've certainly heard the stories. Right. So three games in, the Saints go 0-3. Kilmer gets benched for Gary Quazzo. Uh, the Saints have the first overall pick in 1967 in the NFL draft, and Quazzo at the time is backing up Johnny Unitas in Baltimore. And the Colts had planned for Quazzo to be the heir apparent to Unitas, but Unitas has a career resurgence. The Colts decide to hang on to him. So the Saints then trade the number one overall pick for Gary Quazzo. And with the number one overall pick, the Colts selected Bubba Smith, defensive end from Michigan State. Smith ends up a two-time pro bowler and a Hall of Famer. We also know him as Hightower from the Police Academy movies. You like Police Academy? And he was in all those Miller Lite commercials in the 70s. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very famous athlete. (laughs) The quarterbacks taken in that draft class were Steve Spurrier, who won the Heisman at Florida, and he went third overall, and Bob Greasy. Hall of Fame quarterback who went fifth overall. So let's say the Saints keep the number one overall pick and take one of those guys. Let's say they take Greasy because he ended up being the better quarterback. You think it plays out different or was the team just... Uh, yeah, I think the team was so bad. they would not. We wouldn't have had Archie. I think Archie was better than Greasy mm-hmm. just as a raw talent. No, I mean, I don't, I don't think Greasy would have won with the Saints. No, he wasn't that kind of a talent where he'd have elevated... He was a a game a really good game manager on a great team. Right. Is what he was in Miami. Yeah. Quazo doesn't do very well with the Saints. He starts ten games. The Saints go three and seven in those ten games. He throws for fifteen hundred yards, seven touchdowns, twelve interceptions. 
In week 14, he kind of has a revenge game against the Colts. He throws for 214 yards, no touchdowns, three interceptions. The Saints go back to Kilmer for the final game in 67. And uh, the Saints beat Washington 30-13 in that final game. They go back to Kilmer, so it's Kilmer, Quazo. Not a whole lot happening there, yeah. Kilmer's back as a starter in 68. He suffered a hairline fracture in his ankle in week eight against the Cowboys. And Carl Sweeten comes in. Sweeten was an 18th-round pick by the Lions in 66. He finishes that game 9 of 25 against the Cowboys for 119 yards, four interceptions. The Saints lose 17 to 3. Uh, that performance was enough to earn him the start the following week against the Browns. And uh, the Saints lead 3 nothing in the first quarter. Sweeten goes down with an ankle injury. And Ronnie Lee South enters the game, the rookie quarterback from Arkansas. The Saints drafted in the fifth round that year. South and Sweeten finish that game going back and forth. The Browns won. Sweeten starts the next game against the Packers, but he comes out almost instantly. And his South goes back in, so they're kind of going back and forth. Sweeten starts the following week against the Lions. He's awful again, and Kilmer just had enough. Kilmer's ankles hurting him. Also, he decides he comes to come back in, and he starts the rest of 1968. The Saints beat the Steelers in the season finale. So Kilmer just had seen enough. He comes back in. Kilmer starts every game in 69. The Saints finish 5-9, and nine, their best season at, up to that point. In 70, Kilmer's a starter after they open the season with three losses. Fears again benches him. So the same thing that happened in 67 happens again in 70. And they go to Ed Hargett. Hargett was drafted in the 16th round, 1969, by the Saints out of A&M. He started seven total games for the Saints. Fears gets fired after that season, and J.D. Roberts takes over, who we found out Tuesday, who passed away. J.D. Roberts, one of the former coaches of the Saints. Roberts' first game as coach was against the Lions in 1970, the game where Tom Dempsey Kicked the 63-yard field goal. In that game, Roberts goes back to Kilmer, and Kilmer leads the game-winning drive for the Dempsey kick. So that takes us to 1971. Saints take Archie in the first round. Saints took Archie second overall out of Ole Miss. He's the week one starter for the Saints in 1971, and the Saints get their first ever week one win in team history, a 24-20 win over the Rams. So Archie comes in, Saints win his first game, and... We got our quarterback. Yeah, and, and look, Archie was a good quarterback. Now, were the Saints good? No, they weren't good in that era. But, you know, he had some talent. I think the play calling, I've talked about that before, was not good. The defense was not good. Well, the defense had, in years time, we looked at that 73 year one year. They had some years, some games where they played tremendous. So they weren't always awful defensively in the 70s, but they were mostly awful. And Bobby Scott played some, mm-hmm. and Bobby Douglas played some. For the most part, Archie was the quarterback the rest of the decade. He started every game for the Saints in 72, 78, 79, and 80. Saints actually went back to Haggett for four games in 71. Or Hargett? Is it Hargett? Yeah, Hargett. It's Hargett. He went back to Hargett for four games in 71. Bobby Scott, who got drafted in 1971, the same class as Archie, the 14th round out of Tennessee, he started a couple of games early in his career before 76 when Archie sat out the entire season with shoulder surgery in 76 Scott started eight games in that year and Bobby Douglas started a few games Saints went four and ten in 1976 we remember about Bobby Scott and Bobby Douglas anything well Bobby Scott was just his name just cracks me up to this day Bobby Scott was kind of built like as I remember Billy Kilmer short and squatty and he just wasn't good I, I don't understand what they ever got you know saw in him now Bobby Douglas was was kind of like Tim Tebow, but bigger. I mean, he was humongous, and he was left-handed, and he could run. So, like, this is a guy, I don't have the stats in front of him, but he rushed for over 900 yards in one game, one year for the Chicago Bears. Like, he was a legitimate, big, physical runner. 
you know, just could run you over. And he, he had a good arm, but it wasn't no no efficiency to it. So 81 is the final year of Archie. That's Bum's first year. Archie starts 11 games. And Dave Wilson starts four games. This is the first time we see Dave Wilson's name on the list. The Saints took Wilson in the first round of the supplemental draft in 1981 out of Illinois, and Bum loved him. Wilson was with the Saints until 1990. He got a lot of playing time in 85 and 86. Any good Dave Wilson stories or best Dave Wilson well, memories? Dave Wilson wasn't good. When you look when you look at his stats, he would complete 50-some percent of his passes. He he, They wouldn't have needed some of these other quarterbacks we're going to talk like. Uh, about like Ken Stabler, they wouldn't have needed to get him. Richard Todd, who we're going to talk a little bit about, we, we, we wouldn't have needed him if Dave Wilson was good. I mean, their idea was that Dave Wilson was going to be the quarterback. That's right. And he just he just never did. I mean, like in in '83, he 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 had five touchdowns, seven interceptions. But but if you remember when we talk about all this, in 1981, he had one touchdown and 11 interceptions. I mean, if you think about all of these stats, and in the previous podcast, we talked about some of the horrendous stats in the Mike Ditka era, those quarterbacks, which I don't know that we need to totally rehash those later, but <laughs> but they, you remember how awful they were. Yeah. And so here it is, a quarterback in the NFL in a season, Dave Wilson had one touchdown and 11 interceptions. I mean, how, do you, how can you even be that bad? Right. And it just shows you how inefficient offenses were back then mm-hmm. they just didn't have a lot they didn't have all these i don't know check downs built in and all the things that make offenses a lot more efficient now that back then they just broke back and chunked it and you either protected or you got killed I right. mean, it was just it was it was brutal now the one game i remember was cincinnati the saints were on there if you remember that was their first ever winning season the saints were down 24 to 3 at the half. And I don't remember, I mean, th- this was in the middle of their nine-game winning streak to finish out that 87 season. They were down 24-3 to at the half. They took Bear out the game, and they put uh, Dave Wilson in, and he threw a touchdown pass early in the third quarter, and they came back and won the game 41-24. to Does that remind you of any game where the Saints were had a long winning streak, they were down by a lot at the half, and then they had they scored 31 points in this game in the second half and came back and won by double figures. The Super Bowl season, the Saints were playing at Miami. They were down, might have been 24 to 3 or 24 to 7, maybe, mm-hmm. to the Dolphins. Yeah. And they had that unbelievable second half and ended up blowing the Dolphins out. But Wilson, he wasn't great in that game, but he was 9 of 15 with 160 yards in this, which is a good second half. And uh and a touchdown. So Dave Wilson was not good. He did not have a good career with the Saints, but he did have one magical moment of half of, of, of passing to help the Saints in their first ever winning season. So in 1982, the Saints trade Archie to the Oilers. Dave Wilson tears his knee, season-ending injury. So the Saints acquire Ken Stabler, Hall of Fame quarterback, who spent the bulk of his career with the Raiders. Stabler had joined the Oilers and Bum Phillips in 1980. But the Oilers fired Bum, and he went to the Saints in 81. Stabler followed Bum in New Orleans, but by this time, he had kind of lost a step. So what do you kind of remember about Stabler coming over? He just looks so old. I mean, he just looks so old. Now, he brought a certain kind of swagger to him because he had been, you know, Super Bowl, played in multiple Super Bowls, won Super Bowls. He was, you know, had the famous name, the Snake. Mm-hmm. And he kind of fit in because he played at Alabama. He was... 
kind of a Southerner. You know, he really wasn't a West Coast guy. He was a Southerner, and he was just kind of, you know, New Orleans is a party town, and Ken Stabler was fine, fit in with that perfectly. That was a season where, you know, you had the strike. You only played nine games, and the Saints actually won four games that year. They they were really good defensively because they had drafted all those good guys in that 81 draft that we talked about, Russell Gary and and Frank Warren and Jim Wilkes and Ricky Jackson. And and they already, the year before, I drafted, uh, well, Poe and Waymer. And they were pretty good on defense. They really had some good defenses in those years. And Stabler, in his at first year, had six touchdowns, 10 interceptions. But again, more interceptions than touchdowns. But the 83 season was so weird. Like, the defense was really, really good. In this season is where we had to play that most Saints fans remember Kenny Stabler for. They And for the season, by the way, he completed 56% of his passes. He had nine touchdowns and 18 interceptions. The Saints were minus eight turnover for the season that year. And yet they should have made the playoffs and should have had their only winning season ever. The same game of the year, they lost 30-27 to to the Rams. Heartbreaker. The next week, they played the Cowboys. They're up 20 to 7. They lose 21 to 20. And they had a, a situation with, with, with one uh, 58 left. He took a safety. The Saints were up by one. He took a safety. The Saints lost by one in the end zone at Dallas. And for, for you know, people, he had this kind of iffy kind of reputation. A lot of people really believe that he bet on that game and he threw the game. And that's why he took the safety. I have no idea if it's true. I don't really believe that. But <laughs> but with about eight minutes to go, the Saints lined up for a field goal with Martin Anderson. And if he makes this field goal, they up 10 with eight minutes to go. Like they got a chance to beat the Cowboys. And the Cowboys were still a big deal back then, you know, from all their success in the 70s. And it gets blocked and they return it for a touchdown. The Saints had a real tall wide receiver named Ty, Tyrone Young. They called him Ty in the sky. And he actually blocked the extra point. That's why the Saints were up. Um, they still had the, a 20 to 19 lead. And then with 158 left, wow. he takes a safety and they lose 21-20. Later that season, they played the Jets on a Monday night game. And the Saints were leading the whole way. And with two minutes to go, Kurt Springs ran back a punt for a touchdown, and they lost 31-28. Then the very famous, I'm sure you've heard of this, the Mike Lansford game, right. last game of the year. They're playing the Rams. Ken Stabler's the quarterback. And the Rams pick off a pass. Well, first, no, they pick off a pass. They run it back 31 yards for a touchdown, Johnny Johnson. Then Nolan Cromwell picks off a pass and runs it back 43 yards for a touchdown. Two pick sixes right. in this game. And Henry Ellert returns a punt 72 yards for a touchdown. The la with, with two seconds to go, Mike Lansford kicks a 41-yard field goal, and it's the only offensive points the Rams scored the entire game. And and the Saints lose 26 to 24. And if they win the game, they, they have their first ever winning season, and they go to the playoffs. Right. Sickening. Yeah. And yet, Stabler had to do some good things to kind of move the team here and there. But again... Just too many interceptions and pick sixes and safeties, and it's just too many mistakes. In that first game I was talking about, the Cowboys, the Saints had seven sacks and four interceptions in that game and lost. Unbelievable. Yeah. So Stabler 
he, the team did okay while he was there. Like they almost made the playoffs in the in the '82 kind of strike shortened season, and they should have made the playoffs in '83. But he just he just threw too many interceptions. In that Rams game, one of the pick sixes was from Stabler. The other one was, was from Dave Wilson. Oh, okay. So they, they each they each threw one, but each still, threw one. you know, yeah, two two pick sixes in that game, and it was and, awful. Yeah, they, they win they're in, and they they don't win that game, and they're out. So, I mean, '84 we get to Richard Todd. Richard Todd began his career with the Jets. Todd has the worst season of his career in 1984 when he comes over to the Saints. He threw 19 interceptions and just 11 touchdown passes. The Saints finished 7-9 and in 84. Richard Todd memories? Well, there's, there's, there's one game that I remember. It, that was my freshman year of college. And I still remember vividly sitting down watching a game, doing math homework. I hate math. But anyway, I remember doing math homework, sitting on my cot in the den, at home, uh, hadn't moved out yet. Um, watching the Saints Monday night, it was the first Monday night victory in the history of the New Orleans Saints. They beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 27-24. Richard Todd was the quarterback, threw a couple touchdown passes to tight ends, as I remember. You know, he threw for, uh, I wrote down some stats, threw for 223 yards and two touchdowns in the game. He had two interceptions too, but threw two touchdowns, threw for over 200 yards. So I would say that was like the shining performance of my memory of Richard Todd and his limited time with the Saints. First ever Monday night victory, Dirk Winston, who was a former Steeler linebacker, picked off a pass and ran it back for a touchdown. And the Saints got, you know, the Steelers again, very much like the Cowboys, the year before, the Steelers were just coming off the decade. They were still a you know highfalutin franchise. Right. So that was a great team to beat for your first ever Monday night victory. But yeah, not a whole lot of Richard Todd. Not a whole lot of great Richard Todd memories. And again, like you said, that's another quarterback who threw way more interceptions than touchdowns. And it just shows you how bad the offensive football was back then. So that takes us to 85 to 92. And the quarterback situation is interesting from 85 to 92. This is also... Your prime time Saints yes. covering and watching. So I'll just kind of run through the names and I'll just kind of let you do your thing. Uh, Dave Wilson is still in the mix during these years, but now you have Bob, Bobby Bear who's joined the Saints, who arguably the most popular quarterback that we had. You also had John Forcade, who's a local guy from Gretna. He went to Ole Miss. Steve Walsh was highly thought of by a lot of Saints fans. He was the week one starter in, in 1990. And you also had Mike Buck, who we previously talked about in a draft episode. A lot of people were really high on Mike Buck, held him in high regard. All these guys are kind of in a mix between 85 and 92. Just kind of give your take on all Well, this. Bobby was not great, but he was steady. And Bobby had a pretty nice little run in the USFL. Uh, he, Anthony Carter, who played, was a great wide receiver for the Vikings and who was on that Viking team that humiliated the Saints all the, in that era uh, and, and crushed the Saints in their first ever playoff game. And they were a USFL com- quarterback combination. So Bobby was more of a gunslinger in the USFL. But, you know, when you played with the Saints, they were a defense first. They ran the ball pretty well. They controlled the clock. But even then, you know, Bobby threw interceptions, more interceptions than you would think that 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 he, that he would throw. I mean, in 86, Bobby had two touchdowns and eight interceptions when he split time with Dave Wilson. But by 87, um, the offense was better. Bobby had 15 touchdowns, nine interceptions, and they were just a better all-around team. And then 88 and 89 was not really Bobby's fault. I mean, he played fine. They lost a lot of hard bread. I mean, I'm telling you. They were so close to being great in 88 and 89. I mean, they would just lose heartbreaking game after heartbreaking game. The spitting incident with Washington, 
the the great Flipper Anderson game with the Rams, and then you know almost every time they lost to the, the team I call the Cheaters, the 49ers, it was like in some heartbreaking fashion. And so, for whatever reason, and who knows what the real truth is, Bobby and in the front office, Jim Finks get in a little contract squabble, and I was I remember being at the at the game when they showed Bobby's picture and people booed and I'm like man you know at that time he was the only quarterback in the Saints history that ever had a winning season it was kind of like you know we don't you never know what's going on behind the scenes and contract squabbles but like I really and I still to this day blame Jim Finks for just not just get that figured out like you finally had a franchise that had a two three winning seasons in a row in 87 88 89 and you're gonna play contract squabble with the quarterback who's actually from this area, is from the state. And, you know, Bobby wasn't great, but he was good and they were winning. Because of the contract squabble, they go out and trade a, a pretty hefty, quite a bit for Steve Walsh. And, you know, Walsh had come from, he had not only did he come from the Cowboys, but he had played for Miami, which, you know, in the 80s, that Miami college run was one of the great runs in, you know, he had one of the great careers in college football history. I right. mean, that Miami team was great. I mean, they had a great run, and, and he played on great Miami teams in college. But he just he just didn't have a strong enough arm. The offense was just so limited that year in 1990. Well, at the end of the 89 season, Forcade came in and played the last three games. They, they, they went to Buffalo and won in the snow. Then they beat the Eagles on a Monday night, 30 to 20. And then they beat the Colts at home, like 41 to 6 or something to finish out the season. So at that time, you're like, what do we need this? What do we need to worry about Bobby Abar for? We have this other home state, John Forcade. And so they start the season. And, and Forcade, remember, was the, was the scab quarterback in 87 when they had the three replacement games. During the strike. Mm -hmm. And then he won three games in a row at the end of the 89 season. So they start the next season, 49ers, Monday Night Football to start the season. And John Forcade's the quarterback. And the Saints defense just destroyed Roger Craig. And the, I mean, they were just hitting them so hard. And they played great for three quarters. But they, could, they couldn't score. They had no offense. They didn't put them away. Same old Saints story. They didn't put them away. They didn't put them away. And then they Montana and the 49ers get one drive at the end and beat the Saints 13-12, to 12, which is an awful score for me because in 88, the Saints should have won the game, but they lost that game to the Giants on Sunday night football because Fred Silva cheated and called a uh, holding play on a second and one dive play to, to end the game and lost 13-12 in that one too. And so it doesn't go well. They end up trading for Steve Walsh. And, you know, he had some moments. But in that first year, he had 13 interceptions and 12 touchdowns. And, again, when you have a team that plays defense, like the Saints were playing at that time, and you have a team that has the ability to run the ball, you should be able to be more efficient in the passing game. Yeah. But hardly none of these quarterbacks were very efficient right. at all in the passing game. Walsh was not good. The next year, in 91 Abear got back into the into the mix by '91, but they both started games. Like Abear threw 149 passes, Walsh threw 255 passes, 11 touchdowns, six interceptions. So he was a little more efficient, 
and obviously still played a pretty big role, started about half the games and played a big role in the Saints' first ever division title team in 91. And they were great defensively then too. He at least contributed. So Walsh wasn't a total loss, right? but overall, you don't have a lot of good memories. They did trade a lot for him. They traded the first and third round picks in 91 and the second round pick in 92. For a guy who played what? Less than two seasons for. But what were you thinking when they gave up all that for Steve Walsh? I mean, I know he had the pedigree or whatever, but he had the pedigree. Come from the Cowboys and played for a big time college football program. I was mad that they just didn't work it out. Like A Bear should have been the quarterback in that time. Mm-hmm. You know, they shouldn't have had to give up all that draft capital capital because they had a functional quarterback. It wasn't great, but he was good. I, I was not happy with that whole thing. And Walsh was, again, he was okay, but he certainly wasn't even close to worth all the draft capital they gave up for him. And that was awful. Really was. That's kind of one thing that we might take for granted with Mickey Loomis. With Jim Finks, couldn't, he couldn't figure it out. Mickey always figures it out. Yeah. Just figure it out. Yeah. You don't want to get into those messes. With yeah, I don't, I, I don't think that was good at all. It was awful. And I, it probably, I mean, who knows what would have happened. That that Saints team broke up in 96, broke up in 96, and you just wonder if it could have lasted a little while longer. Had a, had all that stuff between Finks and Bear not happened, and maybe the team would have had a little more stability for a little, little longer, and maybe we wouldn't have had to live through the Mike Ditka era. <laughs> so I, I, I'm going to blame Finks on all that. Before we get to Ditka, let's go to 1993. The Saints cut Bobby. And we signed Wade Wilson. Wilson started his career with the Vikings. He had spent a year in Atlanta. And now he comes over to the Saints. I remember my dad being kind of excited about Wade Wilson. What were you thinking when they signed Wade Wilson? Well, it was interesting because remember, and we'll do a, a future episode with more details on the Vikings. The Vikings in, in 87 played the Saints, Saints' first ever playoff game and crushed the Saints. And then the next year they played them in the regular season and destroyed them. And then the next year they played them again and they destroyed them. So there was an era there where the Saints were really good defensively, but there was one team that de- obliterated them every time they played them. And that was the Vikings. And the quarterback of that team was Wade Wilson. I mean, he was the guy. It's kind of hard not to have respect for this guy. I remember, th- you know, like, well, I hate the guy. But, right. <laughs> you know, he crushed our face a yeah. lot of times. You know, the 49ers were a hot, fancy team back then. But they didn't They didn't. De- they didn't destroy the Saints like the Vikings did in that era. I mean, those scores were like 45-3, 32-3, you know, 44-10. I mean, it was, and they were doing this against good defenses. So it was ugly. I didn't think badly of Wade Wilson because he had played on a quarterback that had destroyed us. I thought he was a good veteran quarterback. Mm-hmm. And he was okay. He wasn't like he was terrible with yeah. the Saints. He had his that first year... 15 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. That season, when I think about that season, I think about two things. The, the famous interview, I mean, the famous uh, thing where when he was hurt and Jim Moore said it was sick because the Saints fans cheered when he was hurt. Uh, and the other one was the blueprint game. The Saints started out 5-0 and and he was doing well. And this team was doing well. Saints are 5-0. and They go to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh plays their cornerbacks up on the line of scrimmage and just got really physical with the Saints wide receivers. And I've always called it the blueprint game because after that, all these other teams say, wait a minute. And they just destroyed the Saints. I don't have the score in front of me, but it was something like 37-14 to 14 or something. It seemed like for the rest of that season, other teams maybe didn't do it quite as good as the Steelers did it, but they duplicated that blueprint 
what the Steelers did on defense and and the Saints ended up hardly winning any games after that 5 and 0 start and did not make the playoffs. And so again, he wasn't terrible, but it just didn't work out. It was 37 to 14. It was 37 to 14. You just yeah. Pull those scores out. It's crazy how you do that. <laughs> That wasn't ugly. I still remember where I was. I was at my friend Phillip's house and watching it. And, 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 and you know, again, because think about it. 91, the Saints won the division. They had too many cornerbacks hurt. Got beaten in the playoffs by the Falcons. 92, they had the, until Drew Brees and everybody showed up, had the best Saints season ever. They were 12 and four. Their biggest loss that year was by six points. I mean, they were really good. Mm-hmm. And then, well, until the playoffs, it was six points. And then they had that meltdown in the second half. Uh, in 92, which kind of ended the Bobby Bear era. And so you're thinking, man, you're 5-0. and You get this new quarterback. You're 5-0. and We're thinking everything's going to be going to just continue. We got something going here. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Well, you know, it went downhill. So that blueprint game, that was one of the big moments in, in Saints history, really, that because it kind of sent the franchise into a into a tailspin that they didn't get out of for like seven years. Quarterback-wise and team-wise. Right. So, 94, the Saints are moving on from Wade Wilson. And we're officially in the post-Dome Patrol era. That whole, that whole, all those guys and everybody's leaving. And 1994, the Saints signed Jim Everett. I remember this signing very well. I was young. But I hated Jim Everett when he played for the Rams. And now he's coming to the Saints. So, kind of similar to Wade Wilson. It kind of was the same signing. Now, the Rams didn't kill the Saints. The Saints had plenty of success against the Rams. They kind of went back and forth. You know, the Rams would win. The Saints would win. And yet, you know, Jim Everett had the famous Flipper Anderson. He was the quarterback for the Flipper Anderson game where he threw for all those yards in the overtime period in the fourth quarter. And he had had plenty of success. And his 95 season, he was pretty good. Jim Everett didn't play for the Saints for long, but there's no question he was a legitimate Above average NFL quarterback. Right. No doubt about it. He didn't maybe have the success that Bear had team. Well, he didn't at team-wise. Not as talented as Archie. Not as good as Drew Brees, obviously. But if you just don't worry about how long you played and you just talk about the quality of the play while they're there, you could easily argue that Jim Everett was the third, maybe the fourth best quarterback in Saints history. Yeah. Because, you know, that first year... You know, he threw for quite a few yards. He had 26 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. Went too many Saints quarterbacks had 26 touchdown passes until he got there. Archie might have done that, but uh, that was it. And so he was pretty good, I think. If you look at the top five career passing records for the Saints, the top five quarterbacks, I think everybody would probably get the top four, which would be Breeze, Archie, uh, Aaron Brooks, and Bobby Abraham. Those are your top four. Jim Everett's number five. So he's the fifth leading passer in team history. And he only played three seasons. Right. And so I, I think he was that last year, you know, he wasn't good. But for whatever reason, the whole team wasn't good. You know, more quit in the middle of the season. But that 95, you know, that Saints team was 7-9. and nine. They actually started out 0-5 that year and finished 7-9. and nine. There were some, you know, a couple memorable games. That year also, I'll remember that season for something that, I, that didn't happen. I is one of the few games, probably the last one that I can remember. I think that was the, that year was the last Saints game that I never saw. My grandfather's funeral was, it was, I looked it up, it was October the 29th that year. The Saints were playing at, in Cheeto Stick at San Francisco and they won by the craziest score ever, 11 to 7. They beat the 49ers 11 
to seven. And I still to this day have never seen one play from that yet. It's the last Saints game that I, I, I that happened. I wasn't there. I don't know anything about it. I never saw it. I, I just, I didn't follow it online. I didn't listen on the radio, nothing. Right. It was the last Saints game that I just missed in my life. And um, probably, probably two or three. I remember there was one against the Bengals. Although I listened to that on the radio. It was a weird deal. I don't know why. The Saints were playing the Bengals. It was at home. And Lafayette, we never got blacked out. But for whatever reason, we got blacked out. This was in about 77 or 78. Hmm. And I remember I had to listen to it on the radio. I miss it. I was crushed. But um, <laughs> but this last Saints game, I remember. And the other game that really killed the Saints is late in the year, they're playing the Falcons. And remember, Bobby had gone to Atlanta. Martin Anderson had gone to Atlanta. Right. And the Saints are playing the Falcons. They lost 19 to 14. This was the beginning of my hatred of Martin Anderson. His, Martin Anderson's last two seasons in New Orleans, what I, I say he fat-catted it. You know, he was a star. He was, you know, in a party town. He was a partier. And, he, I, you know, to me, he fat-catted. In his last two seasons in New Orleans, he attempted 11 field goals of 50 yards or longer. He made one of them. And that used to be a, you know, he was pretty good. He sure. had a big leg at one point. Yeah. He made one out of 11 in his last two years, his his kickoffs weren't as good. They were starting to not be, not as many touchbacks. He asked for more money, and the Saints said no. So he goes to Atlanta. Then he wants to, now he wants to work hard and get better. Well, in this game, at the end of the season, Saints lose 19 to 14. Martin Anderson kicks four field goals, and three of them are 50 yards or over. His first year in Atlanta, he made eight out of nine from 50 yards or more. When the two previous years in New Orleans, he was one for 11. Now you tell me that was the Saints' fault. No, that was Fat Cat's fault. Right. And so I still hate him to this day for that. And then you know how the media is and the, and the Saints haters around here, they just start building on that and building on it and teasing the Saints and oh, why'd they get rid of him? Well, I'll tell you why they got rid of him because his field goals, he made one of 11 from 50 and he wasn't making touchbacks like he did before. So that was an agonizing loss because if the Saints had won that game, they would have gotten to 7-7 seven and seven after being 0-5. The Falcons ended up making the playoffs that year at 9-7, and seven, and who knows what would have happened right. had the Saints won that game. It was a close game that they could have won, but they didn't. So those were the, 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 the game that I never saw that I remember for that year and then the one that uh, really killed the Saints late. Another reason to dislike the Falcons probably even more than I do. Yeah. So that takes us to... Oh, from that era, I wanted to bring up someone, and we can, we'll talk about this later. As looking up all this stuff about Jim Everett and some of these quarterbacks, I stumbled across Quinn Early is a wide receiver in Saints history that a lot of people don't bring up. Yeah, Quinn Early had a much better career in New Orleans than people realize. Quinn Early might be the most productive Saints skill position player that we Saints. You don't hear Saints talk about him very much. No. You really don't. Like, people talk about Joe Horn, Eric Martin. People forget about Quinn Early. But just a little side note here, because I think the thing that impacted Jim Everett that, that next year more than anything is he lost Quinn Early. He left in free agency. And Quinn Early, his last year in New Orleans uh, in that 95 season that we talked about where Everett had a through for 26 touchdown passes, Quinn Early had 81 catches for 1,087 yards and eight touchdowns. That's a really Nice season. Yeah. Left in free agency that year to go to Buffalo. 
And I think that impacted Everett more than because the Saints had brought people on like Lee Doremus and people like that from Wisconsin. And their, their receiving core just wasn't as good without Quinn Early. Quinn Early's years in New Orleans, he had 566 yards and five touchdowns, 630 yards and six touchdowns, 894 yards and four touchdowns, and 1,087 yards and eight touchdowns. He had 25 touchdowns, catches for the Saints. You know, 270 receptions. He was pretty good. I mean, I'm just saying he had a better, way better career with the Saints than most people realize. Sure. You hear people talking about the Saints' all-time great wide receivers. I don't ever hear Quinn Early's no, name. never. But he might be the fourth or fifth receiver, best receiver in St. Ish. Uh, before we move on to the Dick years, I do want to quickly mention Doug Nussmeyer. He started one game with the Saints. The- I hate left-handed quarterbacks. <laughs> and he was a left-handed quarterback. And he was from Idaho, and I was like, what are we doing? You know, at least Mike Buck had a strong arm, and he was right-handed. But, no, I, I, you know, I didn't hate Jim Everett. I, I much preferred Jim Everett than anything else we tried. But 97 got might have been the worst. Kind of talked about that in our last episode, but we'll just kind of run through these names. Heath Schuler, Billy Joe Holbert, Danny Warfel, Doug Nussmeyer in 97. It that's, was awful. That's terrible. He Shula was a first round, a first round pick of the Washington Redskins in 1994, and three years later, he's the Saints' starting quarterback. This cat completes 52 percent of his passes. He starts nine games that year. He had two touchdowns and 14 interceptions. Think about that. Two touchdowns and 14 interceptions. And I remember later on, I'm like, this guy was in Congress. And, I'm, and I remember thinking, this cat couldn't even run a huddle. How is he going to go to Congress and get anything done? Oh, he was just, it was unbelievable how bad he was. And I remember at the time thinking, but think of all these projects. Like they're getting the old guy and then the old guy. This guy was three years removed from a first-string quarterback. I don't want to say this and jinx anything. Not that dissimilar to Jameis Winston, although he Shuler never threw anywhere near 5,000 yards. Right. By the way, go back and look at Jameis Winston's first five years in the NFL and look at Peyton Manning's first five years in the NFL. You'll be surprised whose numbers are better. But anyway, um, or at least how they compare. You know, it could be argument what, better, but they compare much more favorable than you might think. But no, he Shuler was just atrocious. I, again, one day we have to go back and look at how many Saints quarterbacks that we had and how many of them in a season had more interceptions and touchdowns? Almost every one. Think about it. We've gone over 20 or 30 years here and almost every one yeah. had more interceptions and touchdowns. That's how bad the offensive game plans were back then. But when the Saints got Keith Schuler, it was kind of... No, I, I didn't think I didn't know that he was going to be that bad. I, right. You were hopeful. I mean, he was a first-round talent, at least, theoretically. You know, he had played in an SEC school, and but he, it's unbelievable how bad he was. Now, to be fair, for all these quarterbacks, they had a Neanderthal head coach <laughs> and a Neanderthal offensive coordinator. So I don't know that they were put in great positions either because right. the offense back then, like we talked about in the Mike Dickin one, was just atrocious. Very similar to the, the way you feel about Shooter. It kind of felt that way about Kerry Collins, too. He comes in in 98. He's had a little bit of success previously. But, he, but again, he kind of falls victim to being part of the Dick offense. Yes. So that's 98 where Kerry Collins, you had Warfoot, Billy Joe Tolliver joins the club. 
and Billy Joe Hobart are starters in 98. And then in 99, you had Billy, the two Billy Joes and then Jake started a couple games in 99. So what was your thought process when Jake kind of had that end of the season and the win against the Cowboys? Were you thinking he might? Well, it was just fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was just, I mean, Jake is just fun. Right. And it was, you know, it's it's always cool to see a UL guy do that well or back then USL. And um, and uh, Jake was just a lot of fun. I had covered him in high school and, and, at the, and with the Cajuns. Uh, you know, I had no idea if he was a long-term solution, but at that time, the Saints were so bad. You know, they went three and thirteen that year, and you just you want you were hoping for anything. And then they got Jeff Blake, and I don't think Blake's career was as good as Jim Everett's. He didn't have the kind of team success that a Wade Wilson had, and yet he was known as kind of an exciting quarterback. He threw a great deep ball. Mm-hmm. He really did, and he he had a reputation of throwing a great deep ball, and so. Again, we were starving for a quarterback. You know, like like I said, I I've told this before. The the one there's so many great things about the Drew Brees era that just ended, but one of them was for that whole time, every time a quarterback came available, and I my first reaction for years and years was, man, maybe the Saints should pick him up. Well, wait a minute, we don't need to pick him up. We have a quarterback now. Like I was so preconditioned all those years there where you're just trying to get a quarterback, trying to get a quarterback, trying to get a quarterback. It was so nice not to have to worry about that anymore. But Jeff Blake was one of those. And I remember thinking, man, you know, he's had some success with the Bengals and he could throw the ball down the field. It could work. And, and, and it did not work. He just got hurt in that game against the Raiders when Johnstone tackled him from behind. Right. At that point, after the seven years we had just gone through, good was great. And so, no, I, I I was very pleased with him at the time. Team was playing pretty well, and I was very pleased. It was it was kind of crushing when he got hurt because he's like, oh, man, sure. you finally got a stable quarterback, and this cat's going to get hurt when we got a chance to make the playoffs maybe. It was awful. Aaron Brooks takes over, and Blake's kind of an afterthought there. After Brooks does what he did, I mean, it was pretty much – Blake was out at that point. Brooks was the guy we were rolling with. I know there's probably some people that think I'm crazy. That win that in that performance that Aaron Brooks put on at Cheeto Stick that year, it, it I'm not talking about playoffs. It might be my number one favorite all-time Saints victory. It's certainly in the top five, mm-hmm. and it might be number one. Because of everything that we just talked about, like we had just gone through the Ditka era. We had just gone through seven years of looking for quarterback and having, I mean, how many how many quarterbacks did we try during that? We, I mean, we, you, you mentioned at least six or seven in, just in the Ditka three years, much less, you know, Buck and Nussmeyer and Wilson and Everett and Schuler and man, No stability at all. None at all. And to have a quarterback come in and, and over there, as much as I hated the 49ers and still do, to have him come in and just run around and throw touchdown passes and just lead this great come-from-behind victory over there. And I remember uh, Ron Pitts was and Ron Pitts was doing the color for the game, and, and he just says, I'm not believing what I'm watching. And, I'm, and I was thinking the same thing, like, I'm not even believing what I'm watching here. I mean, this cat was running all over the place, throwing touchdown passes, and we won. I mean, it was unbelievable. I was so, you know, it, it was great. At the end of that season, if you remember, Ricky gets hurt. So Joe Horn gets hurt. The Saints make the playoffs. Hadn't made the playoffs since 92. They make the playoffs, and then they're without their leading rusher, and without their leading receiver. And they go to the playoffs playing the Rams, who they had just lost to in the last game of the year. 
And Brooks has this unbelievable game. Mm-hmm. You know, they're up, what, 31 to 14 maybe? I forget exactly. Maybe 31-70 maybe even. They were got, jumped out to this huge lead, and he's throwing the ball to some of its backups, you know, but not his top target. And then Terry Allen's coming in and running, and he did great. And they won the playoff game think, because the idiot tried to catch a, a punt. But still, he won the game, and... I know people hate him, but I, I'll just, I can never hate Aaron Brooks for as frustrating, and I know why people hate him. I get it. But I could never hate him because he gave me hope again. And I know it wasn't all him, but he was the quarterback, and he made a lot of plays. I mean, he was like the first quarterback in history. Like, he threw for one game, like, to throw for 400 yards in one game and 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 and, and run for 100 in another. And, I mean, it was just, he gave you hope again. And did he turn out to be a great quarterback? No. But all I know is, as a Saints fan, he gave me hope again. I don't hate him. Why do, why do, I mean, why do people Well, hate people him? hate him around here because they wanted Jake to be the quarterback. I understand that. I mean, I love Jake. Everybody who knows Jake loves Jake. But at that moment, I, I was just riding. He had success. He was the Saints quarterback. He made big plays. And, I, you know, I was going with the coaches. I, I just kind of have always been in that situation. Now, um, you know, you could argue if they put Jake in, you know, what, what could have happened in that last three games. It was, you know... I remember being on doing sports talk radio back then, and it was it was the most miserable time ever for me on sports talk radio because you know me, I'm a Saints guy, and you know, and being in South Louisiana and all these people just wanting you know Jake had gone to Carolina or called the Benedict Arnolds and and having success, and and all these people turned on the Saints, and we had vicious arguments on the radio it was i mean i almost walked out several times and i remember my boss saying look you can walk out but you just gotta keep walking i mean you can't do that and it was uh, it was bad i mean it was bad i've never been more miserable in all the years i did i've done sports talk radio than that era right there just because just because the fans were so vicious and they hated him so much because they wanted jake in there so much and 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 again, I, I'm just kind of a big picture guy, and 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 all these years later now, I can easily, and this is afterthought. This is 2020, but I can easily rectify all that in my mind, or just not so much justify it, but be content with it, in 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 that, and accept it because if think about it now, if they had played Jake Delone. I mean, Drew Brees would have never played it down for the New Orleans Saints. Think about that. Jake was good. There would have been no reason to acquire Drew Brees. What was that? Four years later, had they had they gone with with Jake? Yeah. There wouldn't because Jake was too good. Right. He would have been the quarterback, and um, they, Drew Brees would have never played for the Saints. It, it's crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have been upset with Jake. No, we. How much fun would that have been? Yeah. You know, you got a pretty good... Well, actually, by that time, the defense wasn't very good anymore. It was okay, but it really wasn't good. The defense was better. Ditka had some better defenses than the Saints had in that era, actually. But no, how much fun would that have been for Jake to be the full-time quarterback? That would have been a blast. Yeah. But but at that time, I mean, looking back, it's like, man, it was more important for the franchise to have Drew Brees come for all kind of reasons. It just It's just crazy how things work. 
we did we went in deep into breeze in our breeze episode so we really don't have to rehash that and plus everybody already no, knows, he knows we, about, yeah. about breeze so let's go to teddy teddy bridgewater uh starts one game in 18 the panthers game but then he starts the five games in 19 and has the contract situation the trade situation but what were you thinking about Teddy as maybe a future quarterback of the Saints? Oh, I was. I I, I just I remember being. Uh, I remember when I heard about it. We were sitting down at the big conference table with the advertiser, and I had just sat down and got the news that the Saints had acquired Teddy Bridgewater. On in my mind, I'm going through all of this, all of these similarities. Kind of a short, not known as a big arm. Um, didn't go to like a big time program, uh, got hurt in his career kind of early. And he was about the same age as Drew Brees was when the Saints got him. And again, he overcome the injury class act. Everybody loves him. I mean, the similarities between Teddy and Drew were, it's a long list. There are a lot of similarities. I just remember thinking, man, they got to make this work. They got to they got to ride Drew as long, have this guy be the quarterback, and then he was going to be the future quarterback. All of that was going through my mind. I remember sitting at that <laughs> meeting. I probably didn't listen to a word about what was going on because I was thinking about that all those scenarios, and it just didn't work out. He starts the five games in nineteen. They go five and zero. Oh. He played. He he played okay. I but again, I didn't expect him to play that well because he was still kind of. Coming back from his injury, still feeling his way in a new program. He hadn't gotten, you know, that back into where he was before. He didn't play great. He had one really good game. And I think he had one kind of not too good game, but they still won. And then his other games were okay. Right. You know, he did fine. But he was a, he he didn't do what all these other quarterbacks did that yeah. in Saints history where they threw a bunch of picks and lost the game. He didn't lose the game, so he did exactly what he was supposed to do. Take some hills, starts a couple of games last season. We were talking, you and I were talking, uh, you were talking on the air and stuff about that he was the guy. Like, we had believed that Peyton was going with Hill this year. It's not what I wanted. Right. But I believe that Peyton, that was Peyton's guy. You know, came out after that that he promised him. That's why he didn't go with Jameis. He had promised him the next chance, and he kind of stuck to his word. Now, if Batman... Taysom Hill, I call Batman, would have been just terrible. And Jameis would have just been like, you know, look like Patrick Mahomes in practice or something. I'm sure he would have broken the promise and said, look, I got to worry about the team. Right. But that, those things didn't happen. So he stuck with his promise and he gave him a chance. And look, I think he did okay. He did fine. He, sure. he wasn't a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think people, people expected this guy who's been practicing in all these other positions to go in and be this highly efficient quarterback. I mean, I think they were fooling themselves. You were saying at the time Hill was starting that the things that he was doing didn't have anything to do with what was going to happen in 2021. Do you still feel that way? Like nothing he did affects the decision of going with Winston for this No, no, no. Nothing he did affected his ability to play quarterback or not play quarterback. Because like right now, what is going on right now if you read the headlines about him? He's training as a quarterback, which... I don't think I like as a Saints fan. Like, I don't want him to be the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I want him to be Batman. Right, right. So is he going to still be able to do the things that he does as Batman if he's training to be a quarterback? I hope so. And if he can, then I'm fine with it. Put your best foot forward. But I don't want him to win that job because I think the Saints offense is best with a quarterback, a drop back at quarterback and, and Batman being Batman. And hopefully he can still do that. 
So that takes us to present day. And we're thinking Jameis Winston is probably going to be our quarterback. So he had quite a few good games. He had some bad ones against the Saints, but he had some good ones too. Mm -hmm. I think he's a quarterback who can throw the football. And I think if they can figure out, again, if you notice what we said through this whole show, the offenses were not good. These quarterbacks were not good that we talked about, but the offenses were not good. They didn't really give the quarterback the the possibility, a really good fighting chance of being good. You know, I, I remember that one of the most humiliating losses in Saints history, what was that, in 77, I guess, when they lost to the Buccaneers. Buccaneers had started out, lost 20-something, what, 26 in a row, I think it was. And their first ever win was against the Saints, and they laughed at the Saints for years. But if you go back and watch the game, the play calling in that game was just as it was just horrendous, like horrendous. All they had to do was run the ball, and they had to run the ball right down their throats. I mean, they had you know they had great running backs, and they just kept throwing deep and throwing deep, and Archie just kept throwing interceptions. It was just awful game plan, awful coaching. So I think that with Jameis, he's not going to have awful coaching. They're going to have a game plan. They're going to have a running game. Hopefully the offensive line's healthy. I'm very excited, actually. I'm very excited. Now, I don't need Jameis Winston to be Drew Brees from six or seven or eight years ago. I don't even want that. I don't expect him to be that guy. I don't expect him to throw anywhere near 5,000 yards. I don't want him to throw anywhere near 5,000 yards. I just want him to be to do what he's supposed to do within the offense and, and run the ball and be have the ability to throw the deep ball, which supposedly, and I it's true, the Saints haven't had in recent years. And again, the great play of Drew Brees carrying – Carrying the Saints offense, it's been a while since that was the case. Drew Brees has not been healthy enough to carry the Saints offense over the last couple of years. And they haven't needed him to because they went in with running the football and playing defense and having good special teams for the first time in the Sean Payton era. And so the, all those things need to continue to stay in place and Jameis not have to carry the Saints like Drew did, you know, in 12 and 13 yeah. and 14 and 15. I don't want that. And I don't think he's going to have to do that. Any thoughts on any quarterbacks or anything like that that we didn't touch? Anything that you wanted to mention on the history of quarterbacking this franchise? Uh, you know, when we do a Katrina show, we'll talk about a few of those quarterbacks. <laughs> oh, it was bad. But I was bad when we do the Katrina season later in the summer. But, um, you know, it, it's not been a good run. And it's funny because the Saints have only, they've hardly drafted any quarterbacks. Now, they drafted quarterbacks, but... In the first couple of rounds, it's they just don't draft quarterbacks. It's not something this franchise has ever done. Archie, and that's it. I mean, that's the only quarterback they've ever drafted in like the first couple of rounds. Right. It's been a weird try at quarterback. But even like you said, going back to the very beginning, what did they do? They tra they traded for a quarterback that they hoped from the Colts that was going to be good, and the, and they've kind of done that, you know. We talked about, they, you know, Stabler and Todd and Wilson and Everett and Schuler, you know, the, and Blake. It's like in different regimes, but they've kind of always had the same philosophy on how to acquire. They did it with Breeze. He wasn't a trade, but it was a free agent who had come from another team. So that's kind of always been their philosophy. And that kind of is mine. Like, I hope the Saints never have to go one in, well, now one in, what are they, one in 16 or 
two and fifteen. Well, that's weird. But I don't want to ever have to acquire a quarterback that way. I want to do it the way. In my mind, Jameis Winston is a first-round draft pick with five years of NFL experience. That's what the Saints are getting. That's what I want. That's how I like to do it. I hope you're right. Yeah.